This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, the show about all things design, from the creative side to the business side and all points in between. Follow the show on Twitter at Wes McDowell. Want the gang to answer your question on an upcoming episode? Send in your listener question to questions at thedeependdesign.com or via Twitter using hashtag DGDC. Here are your hosts. Wes McDowell in Chicago. Mikkel Morrison in Seattle. Nick Longo in Los Angeles. All right. It is another Friday and it's time to, uh, to get the gang all back together again. How are you crazy kids doing? Crazy kids are doing good. Crazy kids. <laughs> it's absolutely you crazy dumping kids. snow here. It's <laughs> dumping snow. Dumping. Oh, I saw that on Instagram. Did you? All my, all my Seattle contacts, they go yeah. nuts whenever it snows because it hardly ever does. Right. But I, I remember distinctly when I lived there, like 2010, there was a huge snowstorm and the city just freaked out. And like my coworkers, I was able to walk home. And but my coworkers lived like one of this one girl, Megan. I don't know if Megan still listens to the show, but she used to listen. <laughs> hey, Megan, if you do, Megan had to go. She lived like on one of the islands, you know, so it's like it was a bus and then a ferry and then another bus or something. And she they got stuck on the freeway on a bus oh, no. like for seven, eight hours. Like it was just snowmageddon. No one could move. Oh, my Yikes. God. That would be the worst. Yeah. Last night at Trader Joe's, I went to just pick up stuff for dinner. And it's like people are expecting apocalypse. Everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have never seen lines like this at just poor little Trader, Trader Joe's before. It was insane. Like people That's hear it. Crazy. Over, it's yeah. embarrassing, actually. People in Utah and Michigan and New York are going, Seattleites, relax. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard. And by the way. I, I hate when podcasts talk about weather, but, but this is this is relevant because <laughs> it's like it was very. Um, we had what was like the lowest temperatures on record on yeah, planet Earth a last few weeks week, ago or something in crazy. Chicago. So the night before, I'm just like going I, after the gym. I go to the the groceries. So I go to the Julasco over here, as the Chicagoans say. <laughs> Julasco. <So, laughs> Julasco. You have to say it like that. So I went there to get my groceries for the week, like I usually do. I didn't realize that it was. Lord of the damn flies in there. Like wow. everyone was stocking up. Like things were, it was totally picked over. The oh lines were going all the way to the back of the store. I'm like, calm down, people. Yeah, come it's on. Not it's the ridiculous. End of the world. Not the end of the world. It, tomorrow's going to be really so cold. Funny. Yeah, it's Chicago. You should be used to the cold. <laughs> exactly. By now, so. It's nothing new there, really. <laughs> yeah, relax. <laughs> Crazy. But anyway, anything, anything good work wise for you guys? Or oh man. Um, I gotten a few cool Highlights. new ones, so I'm like, I'm excited. Ooh, it's I can I couldn't be more across the board when it comes to what I'm working on. It's the biggest variety of stuff, like, and it's kind of fun because I That's you go good. from one to the other, and it's freaking me out because you <laughs> there's such you have different, to shift gears completely. You mean different? Yeah, different styles, different strategies, yeah. different consumers. Some are locations, some are products, and it's like. So it's been um it's been a roller coaster with that, but I, I wouldn't want it any other way. I think that's kind of what I love about yeah. what we do. You know, well, Nick, yeah. how do you handle that? Because I've been getting yeah. really into uh, time blocking lately. Same, which man. is just yeah. You know, I used to just kind of go between things, and I'd take get an email and I'd work on something real quick. Exactly. Now, like I I find myself on my Google Calendar, like blocking off a whole day, saying I'm working on this project today. Yeah, and that's it. I, <laughs> to I just get be it. Be able to table. Yeah. I get it down to the yeah. maybe few hour blocks because like no one thing can get a whole day of like my time, I think in a way, just because there's so many things juggling and then uh, school and classes obviously get in the way too. So I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. It's, it's, I think you learn as you go and you start to see what sticks, what works. And I have been doing the thing where I'm only doing the checking the email and uh, like at 10 and three, like trying to at least condense that part oh. down. Because oh, when be you so do it, to do. 
it is the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world. But you tell people in advance. I tell the key people that this is happening and re- expect a response from me then. Um, but it's also kind of make it's, it's, it's narrowing it down. People are being a little bit more condensed with their emails too because they know got to get it in on one instead of 18. You know? It's just, yeah. a, it's just a way – it's a, a different way of looking at it. Really tough though. Exactly. But I, I heard recently from one of these kind of gurus, who t- I don't remember who it was, but they basically recommend four hour time blocks. Yeah. For that's a, task. a good one. So, okay. Interesting. Which gives, to focus yeah, which on I'm kind of trying to. That's, that's interesting yeah, advice. Gives yeah. you time to ease into it, get some work done, and then kind of ease out of it a yeah, little bit. So that makes sense. I'm trying that. Yeah. I'm going to keep But anyway, mind. we've. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll let you guys know how it works. Good. Good. <laughs> This is new for me. But anyway, we've got a guest today. But before we get there, we need to talk some Skillshare, baby. (laughs) So Skillshare is an online learning community for creators like you and for me. So they've got over 25,000 classes in design, business, freelancing, all the good stuff. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. The big three C's. So whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there for you to keep you learning and thriving. So of course, I always try to find courses that go along with the topic of the day. So I found one called Brand Strategy, Build a Business That Lasts, and another one called Branding Basics, Build a Winning Brand Strategy in Three Easy Steps. So they've got every base covered, and those are just a couple. You know, there's way more on that topic even, and you can learn Photoshop. You can learn how to design a logo, website. Uh, I'm really looking forward to – I'm wanting to learn Envato – not Envato, um, Elementor Blocks. Oh, yeah. New new way of uh, really easily building a website. So I want to go Mm -hmm. on Skillshare for that. Mm. but they've got everything, you know. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer we have just for our listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for free, y'all. That's right. Skillshare is offering uh, our listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. So to sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash deepend. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash deepend to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash deepend. And Mikkel, we have. Uh, you would, would you like to introduce our our guest? Yeah, let me let me introduce. Um, today yeah. we have Peter from Modern Eight. Peter Peter used to work um, at a, a fabulous press facility in the heart of Salt Lake City called Mandate Press, and I had they've got a nice reputation there enough that I had. Um, you know, jump started a project for another client that was nonprofit. So it ended up not (laughs) (laughs) in a way, which had its frustrations. That's a completely separate episode. Um, (laughs) but that's how Peter and I met and Peter works with some, um, individuals that happen to listen to the show. And he did a little bit of research on his end, found out that I'm the Mikkel that, (laughs) Oh, so we were connected with years ago and reached yeah. out, which is fortunate for us enough. So now he's with um, a brand, a brand um, strategy agency. And so we've just really been looking forward to picking your brain. Peter, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Happy welcome. to be here. Yeah. Right so we should say this is kind of one of those career spotlight shows, um, which we've done yeah. a few of. But So Peter is a, a brand strategist, niche based, correct? But That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I do that all the time. Okay. So Peter, if you don't mind, can you just kind of overview, no pressure, your your career path to brand strategy role to date and how, you know, just the, the um, nooks and crannies of how, how you got to where you're at today? Yeah. So I actually was making a joke about this earlier today about how I've had a lot of different uh careers in my life, like hundreds. But um, <laughs> anyway, I I graduated college a long time ago, and, and I ended up uh, coaching athletics for a long time, um, and which involves the strategy portion. And I finally figured out I couldn't make any money in that. So I ended up working at an, an agency that did marketing for um, higher education and uh, account management and, and um, some strategy there. 
before um, I found my gig at the Mandate Press where I did sales and and basically judged designs and yelled at people and um, and then at, <laughs> and and then at and then um, and then Modern Eight was uh, going through a transition. They really needed the opportunity to have somebody to come do sales. So I moved over here to do the sales role and they had somebody who was doing strategy, but I, I ended up helping out on some strategy with one of our clients and just loved the, loved the whole process of it and just started to really push my way into making sure that I got to do it all. So now that's, uh, you know, 50% of my role. I do the new business stuff, but I also spend a lot of my time doing strategy. Okay. Cool. And let, let me just ask you, for me and for our listeners who may not know, can you just give us like the elevator pitch for what exactly a brand strategist does yeah, and so what's involved in that? My, my role is, I, I think, honestly, to take a look under the hood of a, of a brand, try and figure out who they are, why they matter, and find ways to express that um, both both verbally and strategically for those clients by looking at their competitors, by talking to their customers, figuring out a way for them to market themselves uh, to their customer base. So that's honestly the the big part of what I do is is spend a lot yeah. of time looking at competitors and finding ways for the client to be successful in their market. Okay, with so unique positioning. Massive discovery all that stuff. Cool. phase. Massive discovery phase, which is research, research, research. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so right up my um, alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine too. I love that. So, um, that that's that's super useful. What year was it, Peter? That you um, little over little over two years ago. So I've been here two years okay. and doing brand strategy for the last year, um, last okay. year and a half. So uh, you know, twelve to eighteen months I've been doing it now. Yeah, and you know what's encouraging about this story too, in terms of path, is. Uh, you know, listeners, no like crazy master degree required. No. On-the-job <laughs> experience, learning yeah. a ton from on-the-job yeah. experience, having your your so-called mentors or collaborating with those in-house, and you learn a ton from them, and then you inquire, and there's no reason to ask, and you work your way up or transition. It's just, that's actually beautiful the way that works. Sometimes there's more, and this is not a, this is, this is no offense, Nick, Nick, you know, has been involved in the education realm for quite some time. Education is extremely important, but it just depends on the person. You can go about this so many different ways. Um, On-hands experience has its perks in ways that, you know, school, I mean, other than internships. Oh, God, and, you know, yeah. Types There's a certain amount that, like, it, it stops at one point and it begins right after you're done and you hit the ground with a yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's do or die. It's sink or swim <laughs> in more ways than one than it ever is in education. So, but I liked your analogy of how you went from the sports strategy and you needed you almost needed to sit, exercise that same brain muscle in some way, and you found a whole other way to do it. Yeah, I find cool. that it's really quite similar, honestly. And yeah. and people here are not sports hmm. fans, and so they don't like when I use the sports analogies in my life, but, <laughs> but I use them all the time in trying to oh define, gosh, yeah. you know, pivoting and moving this way and that way and, and thinking about huh. an overall strategy. And I think it, you know, it, it makes sense for some of our clients when I use those terms, but um, it, sure. it, it really is about, you know, coming up with a whole idea about what you're going to do to be successful, and, and that's essentially yeah. what that, the, the job requires. Yep. Nice. Awesome. That's Should pretty. Get, that's that's great. That's great. Should so, we get right into these uh, points? Yeah. Let's do. Let's start our roundtable, and it's we've got a, a good, you know, half a dozen discussion points here in front of us, but um, totally okay that they mission match. It's loose, right? So it totally doesn't matter. Um, but Peter, as as the three of us rotate amongst these internal base internal brand based process steps, just We'd love to know how you and or Modern 8 internally undergoes these areas. Yeah. yeah. If, if that makes sense. Okay, cool. Cool. So our first section is kind of about purpose and really the mission of the brand. So like, and I, I struggle with this too, even asking it sometimes to brands because they, <laughs> I know this is going to be the one they're like, well, we don't have a mission. And you're like, every brand should have a mission. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
where do you guys begin with finding their purpose and identifying what's this brand's mission going to be? Yeah, so I mean, this is this one is is hard depending on the type of client, right? There are some clients yeah. that you ask them why they're in business, and they say, "I just want to make money," and you yeah. think well, that's <laughs> not interesting. So, um, so really, a, a specific question we ask clients in in our discovery phase, we do a lot of interviews, both internally and externally, and. And in the internal interviews, we'll ask the CEO and, and other people who are part of the process, we'll ask them a very specific question, you know, why are you in business besides making money? There, and there are some brands that are very clearly able to talk about that. Uh, this morning, I had an interview with somebody who, you know, they have a give back program and they, and the CEO is very interested in the personal development of the people who work there. And when I asked that question, that is I honestly, the purpose of why they're in business is to benefit the people who work there. And then, you know, having the ability to give back to, you know, what, you know, this group gives back to the, to NICU, uh, you know, babies. And so, you know, that's a, that's a really powerful message for Hmm. them and why they're in business. And so the, the mission of the company really, you know, sort of rolls out of that purpose that they've found besides making money. It, it really, you know, I, I think it, as much as it's, so people talk about it a lot is that Simon Sinek, you know, you know, find your why and, and having people buy why you do rather than what you do. And, and this really is, is the hmm. big part of that is talking to them about why they're in business besides making yeah. money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do, do you find too, sometimes like if you're working with a bigger company, do they, how do you get them to hone in on one specific purpose or mission? Because you probably got a lot of opinions and a lot of, you know, uh, personalities in these rooms. Tons. How do you funnel it? How do you funnel it down? The secret is to do one-on-one interviews so that you get the CEO's opinion and then you get the customer service representative's opinion and you get the production person's opinion and, and each of them get to tell you individually. And we make sure to make clear when we're doing those interviews that nobody else is going to see or hear what they say. So people are quite frank with me and I share insights that I learn, but I don't want them to think that what they say about their company is going to get back to their boss and then they're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it's the black leather couch scenario. Yes. I love it. (laughs) Yes. That's pretty funny because I I can always imagine there's always one person that's probably... A little bit afraid that something's going to come out or something, but oh, yeah. like, yeah. if you if you get an honest opinion, that's great too. And then, what do you do? Is your job to kind of now take all that in and weigh weigh it to and you know to one one specific area? You know, really, and go I back think to them. Our goal is to try to share back with the company what they say and say, look, these are some general themes that we're getting back from you about what your vision is and what your your purpose is, and and then in a meeting with the client where we talk about those different points that we found out, we're going to talk to them about their purpose and, and all of the different things that we learned. And we try to clarify what the, the theme across that point is and as well as bring in things from their clients and customers and, and those sorts of, of learnings. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. So beyond, so speaking with the people within the company, what about conducting the market research? Um, on the outside and kind of figuring out where a brand fits in its industry. You know, that this is, this is probably, you've got two different things that you can go after. You can go after qualitative and you can go after quantitative data. And, and we really lean into the idea that, that it, the more that we can find out in the qualitative world where we do a lot of interviews with the customers and, it's not really trying to find out whether somebody had a good experience or not with the company. I want to hear the words that they use to describe why they bought the thing or they subscribed to the thing because the emotion is really what we're after and finding people mm-hmm. who have that emotion, driving, you know, using that emotion in the visual and the verbal, you know, deliverables that we give a brand and brand strategy, you know, we want to roll those out. And so we look after, we try, I really go yeah. into, well, why did you buy it? What was the reason for buying it? What was the emotion that you sort of feel? So the, a lot of that market research is that. And then we look at the other customer, the other companies that are in that category, both vertical or horizontal, depending on what kind of company they are. And we want to say, okay, is the messaging that you're using now, could you pick it out of a lineup with other people in your category? 
Can you really quickly distinguish the the, the um, difference between horizontal and and and, vert- and verticals there? Sure. So um, <clears throat> let's see. What's probably a good way to to describe it? So um, a horizontal company. So let's say like. Right now, you you listen to podcasts. Clearly, anybody who listens to this is a podcast listener. You get a lot of ads for a company like Zip Recruiter, right? They are not yeah. an advertiser Squarespace. for your company. Squarespace. Yeah. So let's talk about Zip Recruiter. So they they have a very specific. Um, <coughs> they're very interested in helping people find a job, but so is LinkedIn. So is you know um, some other online. Uh, companies, right? So, so they've got this vertical um, online. So, I would classify them as online recruiters. Is essentially what mm-hmm. they do. LinkedIn does that. There's a couple other companies that yeah, do that. Sure. You know, Indeed, whatever they are. So, these are very specific online vertical recruiters. But you know, horizontally, you've got recruiters who are in the personal space. You've got recruiters who are going after very specific niche markets, whether it's tech, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's um, healthcare. So you've got a lot of different yeah. verticals there. Okay. So so we would define okay. the vertical or horizontal space as vertical, anyone in the online recruiting game, whereas horizontal would be anybody in the recruiting game. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, that helps. That helps. Okay, so next up, um, just your process with respect to identifying the competitors. Do you rely on your customer to identify those competitors for you and stick with just those? No. Or do you, yeah, you probably have to research outside of the box on your own. Yeah, so let me tell a story. So we were helping a company that was in the AI space a couple of months ago, and we were looking at their competitors, and we of course, ask the clients who they think their competitors are. You know, that's yeah. very important for us to find out who they think they are. And then we try to go do some research on who they are. So this client was in the employee engagement space, you know, using AI technology to try to, in, you know, discover things about employee engagement. And it just so happened that I was doing some research on who else could be their competitor. And the and a competitor that we hadn't even talked about had an article about them in the Atlantic that week. And it wow. was a completely brand new company huh. that we didn't know anything about. And you may remember there was a lot of talk about your employers, uh, you know, reading your emails a couple of months ago. And that's uh-huh. what this story was about, was about this company huh. doing almost identically a thing that we were about branding a company doing. So we had to then add them to our list of who we felt like it was. Sure. And all it was was just, <coughs> I went wow. on Google and I started to search employee engagement. You know, I looked at news. I tried to look at, at, at PR stuff and that's what came out of it. And it was very interesting to find wow, people that yeah. way. So we really feel like there's a, a lot of search that Google can do. And especially in the news category, yeah. rather than just searching to see who has the top listing there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, news. I, I would imagine that brings you pretty far, depending on the account, of course, you know. Right, right. There's, yeah, there's certainly things. And and I would also say, you know, there are lots of different types of companies that don't really have traditional competitors. Like there are nonprofits that don't have competitors, but they have other organizations yeah. that are similar in nature um, mm-hmm. that do similar things that you do want to look at and make sure they stand out from. So. A competitor yeah. really can be all sorts of things. It's just yeah. we define it anyone who you don't want to sound or look like. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a unique way of looking at it, I guess. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, that's actually pretty right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you tell a competitor or I mean a, a brand client that um I think in, in a lot of smaller cases, and maybe you see this too in your larger agency world, but they they want to be just like a competitor sometimes, or they're so inspired by something they did and they want to do kind of follow the same trail. How do you steer them completely away from that? <laughs> uh, we tell them no. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really you know, simply put. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, people get inspired by a brand, right? But they get inspired by that brand because of some emotion, you know, like make me feel like... It struck like, a chord. It yeah. struck a chord. Yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. me feel like Apple or, you know, make exactly. me, you know, make me sound like mm-hmm. Nike. And so the idea is to say, okay, well, let's find, we'll say, absolutely, we can, if we can go after trying to find the emotion 
of what was driving that, um, what was driving them to fall in love with that brand. And then we're going to go after going, you know, looking at that emotion to solve that problem. That That's really yeah. the, the big example of how we try to do it's, that. I, I use this one slide and it's the first slide I show in any class I teach. And it shows this guy coming out of an Apple store with the iPhone in his hand and it's raising up and there's like 400 people around him cheering him. Yes. And the quote says, the quote says, uh, cause desire and you win. And it's so true. It's like, so like, I think students get it because Apple, Nike, Adidas, and the brands that they totally gravitate to, they get it when you talk about it and they're like, what is it about that brand that makes you hunger for them? That's what we're going to try to do. We're not going to copy them, but we're going to find what makes, what makes you mm-hmm. attractive to the other brand. Right. Your own version of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Killer. And go so ahead. that's, so that's the real goal is to say, okay, what's the emotion driving that person being in love with Apple and let's see if we can capture that for your audience. Good, good. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and speaking of the audience, so like you're now at that stage where you're identifying who that target audience is and developing their profile. How do you take it from there? You know, it's, it's really fun now because marketers have a, a way better idea about who their audience is now than ever before. Everybody has some experience with Facebook targeting now where you say, I want a a yoga person who's interested in yoga and they're, you know, they just had a baby and, you know, like you can then target very highly on Facebook and Instagram now. Mm -hmm. And the, the goal is to say, okay, let's put a face to that. Let's give that person a name and let's really define the the actual type of people who are going to be using your product, where do they shop? Where stores do they, you know, what grocery stores do they go from? What beer do they drink? I want to know if they buy Jim Beam or if they buy, you know, if they buy Svedka vodka, you know, like these are things that we want to define about a person because it's, you know, like the three of you, I would market to each of you very differently because of who you are and what you're about. And I now have the yeah. ability to do that. And so that yeah. persona, that target audience, I want to develop uh, a marketing campaign for Mikkel and for Wes and for Nick. And and I want to put you into this persona box and then target people who are similar to you. And, there you go. And so that's, that's really the understanding the target audience is, is finding people who fit the personas doing some interviews with them, finding out what they are like as a person, and then crafting that into a full on persona or target audience. Cool. Do you go as far as like even naming them and giving yep. them like a, uh, maybe even a sample picture yep. of what that person might look like yep. and stuff? Yeah, totally. Good. Mm-hmm. We want to give them, you know, we want to say where they live. We sometimes will show a house, you know, in a yeah. suburb or yeah. in an urban environment. Or what they do in their spare time or, yeah, yeah but- I, um, that's great. I used to there's a there's a brand strategy group in downtown Seattle and I used that's all I used to do for them was was I would create these silhouettes of of people depending oh, yeah. on the descriptions that they would send. I loved it. Yeah. I just find like the closest the closest real person in the neighborhood that to that avatar and just take spy photos in their through their blinds when they're at home. There you go. Just to see like <laughs> what are they up to at home when you're not around, you know? Exactly. You know, this is a, I go you above can, and beyond like that. That's, yeah, that's you exactly. can do that. Yeah. Yeah. The I will world spy of technology for you. makes that yeah. easy to do now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's about the kind of the, the customer personas, which I'm a big believer in as well. So what about creating that brand persona? Yeah, we call this the, that? yeah, we call this the brand personality and, and, and so it goes beyond just, you know, who they are and, and what they like to do. We really like to talk about the whole personality of a company. And and we, um, we've really leaned into, especially the last couple of years, um, developing brand archetypes. I'm sure you've run into this before with other companies. Yes. You know, the, the Carl Jung um, ideology, uh, you know, around archetypes. Everybody wants to be the hero, but, um, you know, we really... <laughs> That's so true. They, I always tell them, you can't choose hero. That's maybe second or third choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we actually have, um, you know, we, we had 
a meeting this morning, what we call our head and heart workshop, where we go through a bunch of activities to try to get to that personality that they're trying to, that they are, you know, and, you know, whether they're the sage or whether they're the, no one's the, no one wants to be the jester, so we don't ever do that one. But, you know, there's been this, we've done the citizen and the explorer, and, and we try to find modifiers to sort of explain who that persona is. And once we get to that broad category, then we try to find someone from, um, from movies or literature to really round out exactly that persona. So we've had, oh, we had nice. a company a couple of years ago that was Atticus Finch. Um, you know, I just wrote an article mm. about how Uber is Biff from Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> and I mean, if you think about it, did it's they perfect. sign off on that? <laughs> no, I, I, Uber is not okay with whatever this, you know, how in the Back to the Future 2, how Biff is like this sexist, awful person with tons of money? Yeah. Yeah. It's Uber. Um, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and if you think about their so, marketing, so apparently perfectly... we, we will not be sponsored by Uber in any future episodes. <laughs> nope. I was you just going to say that you could you could bleep that out. Um, no, it's not. So the you know so we really try to lean into <laughs> trying to find some fictitious character that a company can idolize and rally around being. Whether you know we've had. Gandalf and we've had Atticus Finch and you know we really try I yeah. think that gives people a really great you know roundness to that persona rather than you know well we're oh, yeah. we're this one thing and I don't know what that means at all that's really mm-hmm. cool. I, yeah. I, I did read a book that told us to go as specific as that as picking someone that they would know in pop culture and things like that and it and it really helps them kind of identify it a lot more than just you know something that might be a little bit more executed and made up of parts. This is a real person. They can go, Oh yes, totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about all the different people who have to touch that brand in some way and the communication out to the world in some way, it gives, you know, would Atticus Finch do this? I I think, you know, that really tells a tale about trying to explain away, you know, how to, you know, everybody then speaks from the same hymn book to, you know, steal a bad phrase. Um, you know, like, I think that's the idea behind one of the, one of the ways we create brand personas. No, it's, cool. it's a smart way to do it. Cause it really paints a picture for people. I like to think my business is any role that John Lovett's ever played. That's, that's how I'm going to identify. So, John Lovitz on news radio was great. So I am, I am all for when he, he, I think he came in after Phil Hartman died. So, so you're sort yeah, of making yeah. up, you know, I like that. Every, every listener's going, what are they talking about? Right now? It's perfect. Cause my, cause my old business was a Phil Hartman and now I've okay. got the John Lovitz. There you go. So it's, it's you've, you've graduated. <laughs> right. So you got, you got worse, I think is what. <laughs> yeah you got yeah. worse there you go okay well so done, um that's great so peter can you share with us a little bit about how that that so-called handoff takes place you've got the brand pretty dialed in how do you communicate that story based on the media type whether it be a social media channel print collateral a digital a digital media type how and and can you can you share a little bit about modern a in house and you know those those roles really briefly like do you have somebody that gets a jump start on that or do you you know do, it's not a design it's not a des- creative house but perhaps you've got a designer or two so, uh, that I, can jump start a project. We are we are predominantly a design studio. So we do brand strategy and brand design. So we do, okay. we do develop all of that visual identity and other graphics. So as you well. can see a whole project through yep. for a collateral piece yep. after having identified the brand at the jumpstart. Okay. Yep. That's great. Yep. And so, so with this, you know, so this brand strategy, we work on, you know, there's that very popular book last year about brand story and, you know, developing that brand story. Um, we, we work on, you know, finding that brand narrative. We look at that Pixar narrative and, and, and the way that Pixar sort of uses their storytelling idea to find the, the story of a company. So we use that sort of idea to roll out um, internally that brand narrative. And so how we communicate the brand story per media type is often through the brand guidelines, brand book of all the different deliverables that we've sort of created design-wise. And then 
because we one thing we do not do is we don't do any of the marketing. We don't do ad buys. We don't buy billboards. We don't really design banner ads. We really just do okay. this visual identity aspect and branding. And then we train either the in-house agency or we've worked with whoever the agency that they're going to work with to then roll out all the different stuff. So we'll talk about oh, great. social yeah. media. We'll talk about you know different channels that they should be thinking about, how to the voice that they should be using on the different channels. You know, they should be a little bit more humorous on Instagram versus on Twitter. They should be a jerk. And, you know, and so, <laughs> you know, and then we'll develop some of this collateral we'll develop is taglines and headlines that they can then start to use rolling out. And we'll design some sample um, ads for them to use so that they have a starting point um, and they don't go wrong from the start. And and so that's, that's samples. Uh-huh. Yes. In application. Okay. So whether okay. it's, um, you know, whether it, you know, we'll desi- we've designed some billboards for people, you know, that they never used, but it gave them a right idea about how to then sure. sell. Um, yeah. Approach direction. Mm-hmm. That yep. kind of, that kind of transitions into this, this next discussion topic actually for a question is, cause it's about, you know, as designers, most of us have had experience with creative agency or something like where brand strategy is, you know, a piece of the a piece of the of the overall project, um, an internal process, but you've you've basically kind of described the bulk of your in-house you know pro- processing projects from start to finish in a way because if you put together that brand or you know sometimes interestingly people distinguish mood manuals from brand manuals. Which has always kind of had me raise an eyebrow. I they want to evoke a mood, not necessarily get so guideline standard, standard specific. And maybe that would you say that that's the main distinction between those? I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure what a, a mood manual is, so I don't know that I can. Yeah, speak to I've that. had projects. I've we've had projects for sure where they just want to evoke a mood, and this is what our brand is all about and there's not guidelines hmm. included. It sounds really? like a Seattle thing. I think to it's me. part of, Yeah, it feels like to me it should be part <laughs> it should be part of the entire strategy. They were a Seattle and, client. And there's, so there's a chapter there's a chapter on mood a little bit there, you know. That's one of the that's like one of the pillars, but that's all they want is just that. It's, like that's, that's Yeah, so it vague. was like heavy visual booklet. Yeah. of yeah of emotional photography and illustrations to evoke who they are mood based as opposed to it's our booklet of good vibes man i know don't harsh my mouth (laughs) (laughs) i mean part of the part of most creative projects is is part of is using that mood board i mean we do create mood boards that clients then you know select between but you know but Having that as the end deliverable, I mean, it sounds like it smells like patchouli to me. Yeah, or the only yeah. only deliverable. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> yeah, that's. A- <laughs> I can share it with you. Sometimes I'd be interested to get your opinion. But maybe you've got just kind of an a you can exemplify an account where you, you just share the start to finish processes. I mean, they they didn't have an idea of their you know they were a little bit lost. They know what they wanted to strive towards, but then how the how the project wrapped itself up for you guys yeah um you know i you know going from start to finish there really is you know we have a process internally everybody has a process about how they're going to go through getting to the end result right you need to have a code or else you just are all over the map so we have what we call yeah. our our D5 brand design process where we do, um, you know, discovery and research, and then we do some internal stuff, and then we display all of the research back to the client before we get to the design portion where we, you know, and and during this, you know, where they select a mood board, and then internally, the the process, and I think this is what you're asking about, is the process that the designers will sketch things, and then they, you know, get to the visual identities that cr- the creative director has yeah. chosen. And then my part yeah. in that is, as the brand strategy portion is, you know, I try to help explain what the client wants. Like we had a client who really wanted to de-emphasize their name and just use their initials because they didn't want to be known as this old foggy, boring company that they were, and so they thought the initials would. Kentucky Fried Chicken. That. 
It's Weight Watchers? Weight Watchers. The <laughs> oh, WW is Oh, I just saw that. That's ridiculous. That's funny. That is – I hope that wasn't you. <laughs> it, it was not us. Um, <laughs> but um, you mean the company formerly known as Weight Watchers? So Yeah, I mean yeah. – yeah, so bad. It's essentially that. So my it just job rolls is off a, the tongue. WW. I know. It's I know. So long. They should just go by <laughs> W, like the magazine yeah. or the W hotels or whatever. Anyway, so yeah. um, W watchers. There we go. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, the idea is that I need to share all of the information that I've gathered from the client, so that the designers can then utilize that in the creation of the visual identity and the other brand assets. Um, you know, we had a client the other day say, you know, under no circumstances will we be interested in a color that's orange. So, you know, I've got to share that with the designers before we even get there, right? And um, okay, yeah. yeah. And so then the designers do their thing, and and I don't, I have zero design ability and zero design taste, so I'm not allowed to talk about design. And so, um, <laughs> and so, but I will say, hey, this one really meets the objectives of what the client's going for. You know, we want to. You know, we've done some work with construction companies. We do want to make sure that we want to de-emphasize construction, and we really want to emphasize the name of the company rather than construction. Yeah. So we, I talk about those deliverables and those design yeah, okay. solutions, and then the designers and the creative director make sure that, that we meet those. And then I'm in all the review okay. sections to make sure that those – Well, that way you're keeping the project on track yep. in that sense too. Yep. Okay. Yep, and then I become the advocate for the strategy <coughs> that we've bought off on. We present back that. to the client. Yeah. We present and we present back to the client uh, the different deliverables, whatever the website or your you know visual identity or whatever those design deliverables are, and um, and then we wrap up with either a brand book, a brand training, whatever that is, and then at that point we'll we'll say goodbye, and then they come back to us when they want some other design thing related to their brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's Interesting. very cool. I think you're in a good spot there as, as a non-designer because I think uh, you're 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 seeing it almost in a uh, an ex- uh, perspective that the client and more importantly the consumer are going to see it without being so design savvy, if that makes sense. Yeah, you and, know, yeah, th- that's true. That's true. I do. Like often, you said, you're an advocate for the brand. I end up becoming that, like saying, "No, they're not going to yeah. like this," and the creative director saying, "Well, it's beautiful," and I have to say. I don't know if it is, but I don't think it meets our needs. And so you know, that's, you that, it, that ends up becoming my role in-house. Interesting. That's really cool. I wish I had one of those in our little agency. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're a like a design translator, opinion. basically. I, it's really great because, I mean, you're right. I think, you know, also, too, designers have a, a bit of a, a misconception or, a, you know, in the past of thinking that being oversensitive and being too protective of designs and saying, like, this, is, this has got to win. It, it's the best one. But – you probably bring in a really good perspective that probably keeps it more in line with what I think the client's going to probably um, gravitate to a little bit more, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and they're know? not designers either, and okay. so I, I fit in really well on that side as, a, cool. as an advocate for them. What do, you, what do you feel is the biggest learning curve that you've kind of seen here um, in putting the strategy to work so, so, so strongly? You know, the, the, probably the hardest thing is trying to – is trying to think outside the box on each different client. Like, you know, whether yeah. it's a consumer product good that is selling, you know, baby blankets to a tech company that's selling AI to a nonprofit that is helping an organ donation. You know, like all of these things have very different worlds. And I, I the hardest thing is, is, I think you guys talked about it earlier about blocking off your time. I had to yeah. really try to take time out of everything else to spend um, – I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to spend enough time thinking about the client, and Good. and and that's so that's the hardest part is like dedicating the time to put yourself into their world and understanding them and what their unique problems are. Cool. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So we we're we're getting close to being out of time because we still got the listener question. So I'm just going to ask one last question, Peter, and that's just any advice you can give to listeners who've been maybe striving toward a brand strategy niche role? I I think the best advice is there's so much online and in books about um, that I've learned about various parts of that strategy that you could, you could dive into. There's books on naming, there's books on strategy and all of them offer some really interesting characteristics about how to, 
become a brand strategist. Um, you know, there's there's really easy ones to read like Brand Gap and there's the Brand Archetype book and there's, um, you know, Blue Ocean Strategy and all of these business books that you would read in business school, I think, offer some really interesting and, and important things that you can provide to your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the amount of the amount of data that's out there, it's like, you're right. Every time I'm questionable or wondering what to do, there's something out there every time. And then go do it. Like, you know, yeah. like find somebody yeah. who's doing a startup and saying, let me do it for you for free. And, and I yeah. would bet that you Get could do it. experience rolling. Sure. And especially as a, if you're a designer looking to do some strategy on the side, I'm sure somebody you know is starting a business and you could then do some of these things for them along with some visual identity work and, and really, and, and, you know, you, there's nothing like doing it to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And this is one of those things that just once you kind of know this, you become so much more valuable as a designer because you can back up all your stuff with an actual, you know, with with meat behind it rather than just exactly. here's something pretty. It's no, we've done the research and we know this is your new identity and this is why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool, Peter. Well, thanks for coming on with this. It's been awesome. Do you want to hang out for the listener question or do you have to jump off? Um, I have, I have time. I can be here for the listener question and, and say something snarky. Okay. Perfect. That's, <laughs> cool. nice. that's how we like it around here. So, that's all right. So before we get to that, we need to talk a little bit, a bit about fresh books because tax time is uh, almost upon us. Lifesaver. Oh, yes. Yeah. Lifesaver the last few weeks for me. Yeah. Do you guys find that you're running reports like crazy? <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. I I've been using those reports it. are so handy. That whole section. Yeah, FreshBooks is just, they've got so many cool things, and that's just one of them. And it's, it really comes in handy when it comes to tax time because they, of course, they not only send out these beautiful invoices that are branded with your colors and send them out in a really easy way. It only takes you a minute to do it, but it keeps track of all this stuff for your taxes. So by the end of the year, or beginning of the year rather you're not scrambling to look for all that stuff because that's no yep. fun and we've got all the tax things going on now and you know it's it's a whole new setup so but FreshBooks makes it easy like they do with everything else they're amazing we love yep. them so um they and so like i said you send out the invoice only takes less than a minute to do it once you've got the client set up they also send out the reminder emails so that you are not the bad guy it's just kind of systemized emails saying, hey, uh, looks like you've passed your due date there. What's going on, buddy? Yep. <laughs> so they do it for you, and you are not the bad guy in the eye of your client because that can really make things awkward. If you're calling and emailing saying, where's my money, it's a little different story. So let them do it for you. And they have amazing support as well. They usually answer the phone in three rings or less. Who does that anymore? So to claim your 30-day unrestricted <laughs> free trial – Go to freshbooks.com slash deeply graphic and enter deeply graphic design in the how did you hear about a section. Again, go to freshbooks.com slash deeply graphic and enter deeply graphic design in the how did you hear about a section. All right. So today we asked for audio questions and we got one from yeah. one Miss Rachel Shank. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Way clip. to go, Rachel. Yeah. Hey, guys. Big fan of the podcast. Thank you so much for your efforts there. Uh, my name is Rachel, and I have my own freelance graphic design business. And over the past couple months, my workflow and my clientele have increased quite a bit. And I need to, I know I need to hire out a, a junior designer to kind of help me with some of the production side of things. My question to you guys is knowing that each of you have kind of collaborated and, and found junior designers and other designers outside of your own design focus that you've worked with. What are some of the tips and tricks you can give me to, in starting that process? Um, the pitfalls, the things that you wish you had known, um, just trying to get an idea of exactly how I should go about searching for these people, uh, what I should watch for, what type of conversations I need to have with them, the boundaries, all of those good things. Thanks, guys. So for us, and I think I've mentioned this before, if I need something for my own business, it's a great, it's a great test drive for somebody that you haven't worked with or collaborated with before to see what their skill set is truly like other than what they brag about. Yeah. And um I never I never just get a feel for somebody over email or portfolio items. Um 
or just even a simple phone call, I will always arrange a video, live video chat. Yeah. Um, to have a nice substantial meet and greet, get a sense for their body language, their confidence level. You can even kind of um, get a sense for overall um, experience just with the way that they communicate live face to face. Professional, how professional and they it are. It also just makes it a nice meet, meet and greet instance so that you're not just sending project scope and design direction and saying, when can you get started? How's your bandwidth? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that can be really essential. You can build rapport and relationship that way at the start. And then, um, you know, it's not to say that you won't have bumps. Sometimes it can be rather costly. We've been through that. Um, yeah. Something didn't work out. You get them started. You take a chance on a massive project. And then I've pulled all-nighters two, three nights in a row to redo the entire gig. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Been Sometimes there. it can be chancy, but um, that's what, one of the reasons I suggest if you need something done for your own business, marketing-wise or whatever, do a test drive with that for, first and foremost and see how it runs, and then you can start. And, and for those that are tight on budget and just a, a simple flat rate, I for my on, ongoing long-standing accounts, I feel more comfortable knowing that you know, I've, I've communicated to them, we need additional help. Thank you for trusting me to hire out. I'm, I'm happy to make introductions after I give this a, a chance, um, but would, would love for, for you to front 50% or something of, of the cost. Yeah. And if they, they, if there's a trustworthy relationship there, they'll, oh, okay. they'll um, yeah, they'll accommodate. Interesting. Yeah. I don't normally like tell my client, I, Hey, I'm outsourcing this part because I'm taking that on myself. Like I take, I, I internalize it. So if, if I hire someone else and they end up screwing me over, I'm on the line for that. And I know that. So like, I will make it right to my client. One yeah, way or it the really other. depends on the client. I yeah. agree with you. I I'll be selective in that regard, but I absolutely have a fresh books category that says junior design support. Okay. And I, I, I input what their tasking was like. I itemize, I itemize okay. it under MKM. Do you have yeah. a lot of design uh, subs? Four okay. right now. Nice. I mean, I'm round and fat. I need it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Building up that army. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Build up your baseball team. <laughs> I have I have more. I mean, I need the developers. That's, yeah. that's their gig. Like, I don't, yeah, that's their thing. I need I need more of that as a as a, a standard um dependable source ongoing. But yeah, as of now, I've I've really needed to bulk. It's kind of, I think I've told you guys that the pregnancy has yeah. really kind of kicked that into gear for me I'm in sure. a good way. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely I've, I've hired des, junior designers in the past um, to various degrees of success. Usually, not really big projects at all. Um, some of them are some of them worked out really good for a project. Some not really so much, and I had to kind of redo things over again. So it's hard, and I <sighs> and I really hate it to is. say this, but it's hard. Like whenever I've kind of put out calls in the past or put up ads for this kind of thing. I'm always surprised by how bad so many portfolios are. And I hate to say that, but it's really true. Like, and it really is a, it's a statement. Like it's, this is, this should be encouraging to anyone listening who is good because it's kind of rare. Like <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people You're out there that are just like, I don't know why they chose some of the things in their portfolio, but anyway, um, mostly what I hire out is mostly, um, development and copywriting. So copywriting, right. Yeah. Right. And development took me a long time to find a good one. I went through like three or yeah. four ones who really like really dropped the ball. And I looked really bad in front of my client because of it. So terrible. Yeah. And the one I have now is awesome. Well, I will never get rid of him. Unless, you know, hopefully he doesn't give her to me. And then uh, the cop I've got a couple copywriters I work with who are great and they're really easy. And if something it doesn't hit right and I, I say something or the client says something, they jump, jump right in and they fix it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. I mean, it can't be any different from like, Peter, if you're involved in interviewing processes in-house, there's 
it can be expensive for a corporation or organization of any kind. It's this. It can be the same flipping hiccup. It's this. It's applicable in so many different realms. Yeah, there's certainly, you know, at Modern Eight, we're we're kind of lucky in this, you know, world in that our creative director teaches at the university here in Salt Lake City, and so almost all, we very cool. rarely hire out anybody who he hasn't taught. Or, you know, oh, gone, okay. you know, gone through, you know, hey, I really think this person's great sort of world. Sure. And so we That's really, an amazing filter to have. Yep. Yep. And so and or in fact, I don't think we've hired out somebody freelance who has not either been an intern here before or been through his classes. So, okay. yeah, I mean, but developers, we've all been screwed by those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that's great. Uh, I've had some super Aww. awkward interactions just with like back when I was kind of newer and the guy I was using. I mean, this person said it was oh, it's, it'll be like I don't know, say six weeks. We were still working on that site like twenty weeks later. Like it was ridiculous, and I oh I had to God. feel these calls from the client that were getting super pissed off and reasonably so. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like. I was brand new at the whole delegating thing, and it was just going so badly, but I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say it couldn't happen That's again cool. someday. So anyway, yeah, anything good. to add, Nick or Developers. Peter? Developers. Like, <laughs> I would say it's, 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 just, it's just like you are hiring for an interview, I mean, and, and for a position. It's yeah. like you have to play project manager role more than just design freelancer guy or girl. You know what I mean? I bring yeah. in mostly illustrators, and when I do that – that's so odd because it's such an illustrative um, feeling and emotion. I make sure I qualify them by looking at all their work, making sure they can do something in this in this fashion if there's a specific style that we need. And then I make sure that, you know, they are just 100% clear on timeline and budget. Yeah. That is like the most important thing in the world. I, I, yeah. give, them, I give them timelines that are two days before That's due smart. dates yes. with clients. In case you got to clean up. No buffer. I mean, I want a buffer zone well, for clean every up single and stage. In case they're late. And then also, to, you know. Right. Well, exactly. All together, oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I always do the whole, like, do, it's do my, I, it's in my inbox, 8 a.m. or Dropbox link, 8 a.m. that Tuesday. Like, you know, and I'm strict on that. Like, it's, you are bringing them into this world. My client knows that I'm, I'm, I'm going outsourcing because I'm not the illustrator guy. And I told them, I, I come to them with a, as the middleman. But I play yeah. that. I take that responsibility like yes. beyond yeah. beyond huge because yeah, I, no one's no one's perks, fucking up my business. Well, and when know? I used to contract out, when I used yeah. to be a contractor for a company, Mikkel, you know who I'm going to be talking about here. Um, she, she was like kind of the supervisor, and I would turn in projects, and she'd be like, "Oh my God, Wes, thank you. You're you're always on time." And I'm like, "Well, yeah." And she's well. like, no, but no one, but people, people I like aren't. to consider myself I'm like, a are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> she's yeah. clearly no, knows yeah. the different. Yeah. It's like, it's right. crazy to me that some, that people are so like, feel so free to be late and miss deadlines. Uh, that's one thing I. And flaky. Yeah. That's lacking yeah, professionalism. But anyway, hopefully yeah. we uh, answered yeah. your question, Rachel. So yeah, bottom line interview, do your due diligence, hire people for a small project at first. See how they do with it. That's your best bet. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, keep sending in those listener questions to questions at thedeependdesign.com. And we do love the audio ones. And uh, to get access to all those archived episodes, because, you know, there's a weird thing with the iTunes feed. It only shows the last, like, 99 or 100 episodes. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Apple. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> So you're going to want to go to... You just need to get bought by uh, Spotify now. I think I've tried to get us on Spotify, and we were, wow. we're waiting to hear back. It's like a application thing, so you have to like... Well, they just bought, oh, okay. they just bought two uh, Pandora okay. companies. Oh, Anchor. Oh, really? They bought Anchor. They bought Anchor, yeah. and they bought, yeah. um, they bought Gimlet Media. Oh, cool. That's right. Gimlet Media. Huh. Big. So yeah, we got to figure out the yeah. Spotify thing. Figure it out. For sure. Yeah, they're leaning into the podcast yeah. world. Yeah, interesting. That, that yeah. I'm not surprised. But anyway, so if you want to get access to all this classic episodes, you got to go to the deependdesign.com slash classics, and you pay with a tweet. So basically, you just tweet it out to your friends, you share the show, and then you get access to the full archives so you can hear us when we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> so, 
So thank you so much, Peter, for coming on with us. Uh, it's been great. Welcome. It's been nice uh, getting to know you and and uh, and hearing uh, your stories. Yeah. Too. Well, thanks for listening. Perfect. Yeah, really great to have you on. And you look pretty damn good in that new that new mic yeah. set. Yeah. 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 I, I, Ho- hopefully it's not just a one time oh, one time yeah. thing. You're able to use it. You Thank ready you for Amazon. some customer service yes. with that damn, little uh, the mic there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. yeah. Or 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 some uh, or some Bobby Brown <laughs> imitations over there. There's <laughs> been lots of people outside my this room making fun of me during this for oh, this headset. No. So. Oh, but you're a big yes. you're a big podcast okay. star now, so yeah, jokes on Blame them. me. All right, guys. Well, with that in mind, keep designing and catch <laughs> us next time on the Deeply Graphic Design Cast.